0: i'm co-host james ash and i'm co-host phil scaife welcome to the business lockdown so welcome to today's show none other than mr jonathan leaf jonathan leaf uh, ran arguably the, the the biggest marketing agency in east yorkshire Jonathan and I rubbed shoulders many times with our uh, time of uh, through FEO. We've, we've had Jan Brumby on the show. Uh, Jonathan's still a member. I, I recently came away from that, but still uh, keep, keep in contact with the guys there and see how everybody's doing. Uh, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Elvidge, who's been on the show with Moodbeam, actually hooked, hooked Jonathan and I up for the first time. I was at a point of... Uh, you could say too many plates spinning. There's always there's always many plates spinning, but there was too many spinning at the time. And I think Jonathan identified that and hooked hooked us up. And uh, I'll never forget the we, you you gave me an hour, an hour and a half at your headquarters, Jonathan. And uh, well, that was uh, just gave me so much value and insight um, because you care, because you just got that in abundance about you to, to support and mentor people. And um, and you know this is a testament to, uh, to you know to, to be able to give back something in return so it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today one of four shows actually we uh, this is going to be the first of four shows with Jonathan and the reason for that is that uh, Jonathan fired through three areas uh, that that we may want to cover today and which one should we choose from one being um, business resilience building a bulletproof business Uh, The other was going for high growth after the lockdown or retreating to the core, ready to go again. And both Phil and I were like, well, how do we choose between those three? Because they offer so much value to our audience. So we were just like, well, why not? Why do we compromise? I think the only thing was, "Would would, would you commit to joining us for four shows of which you kindly agreed to and this is the I'm, first of all. I'm
1: not doing anything else.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so welcome Jonathan here. Lee. thank you, thank you for delighted joining us. Delighted yeah, to, to be here Welcome to the show Jonathan.
1: Yeah thank you very much, I'm delighted to be here.
0: So first of all let's look at which one of those three areas Jonathan and we're not going to drill down deep in 23 because we'll cover each of those areas on your three episodes to follow this but just out of curiosity, which one of those three do you find yourself focusing on the most with your businesses? Because I know uh, you're, I think, you're a business consultant now. so
1: Yeah, um, I think resilience, really, because I think resilience is at the heart of every good business, isn't it? You've, you've just got to build some sort of resilience. And that's as an individual, as a business, you know, with your friends, whatever. You know, that resilience is probably at the core of all successful people. Because you're going to have knockbacks, whatever happens. I mean, this is, this is like a pretty major one. But, you know, there's been other ones as well, haven't there? So, and the, so the resilient people and the resilient businesses that come back or stay there or keep on growing and keep, keep going because they, they have that resilience at their core. So, yeah, that's definitely the most important.
0: Well, I would suggest that episode two then, yeah, we would be looking would be, at resilience yeah. based on that. So, without looking forward, which we'll cover on episode, uh, episode two – Let's look back at a time that you had to be the most resilient. You know, when was that?
1: Well, let's start right at the beginning, to be honest, because I, was, I, was, I went to a very good school uh, in Hull, and I was phenomenally bad. At school. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I left school when I was 16. I was, I was really bad. I mean, there's loads of reasons, I guess, probably because I just didn't do any work, and, and I was more interested in, in rugby and girls. Um, was this Heimers? It was
0: Jonathan? Heimers, yeah. So, so, so you, you, were, you were particularly bad at Heimers. I have seen some pretty special things come through on social media about you being uh, in a, a very special role Oh, am I jumping yeah, the gun I know, in here? Yeah, well, the, I, irony,
1: I, the irony, of, irony of the whole thing is now I'm a governor at Heimer's and I'm also the president of the Old-Time Irons Association. <laughs> um, I actually made them promise that they wouldn't look into my rec- back records when I, uh, I took the job on, to my, just in case I left any skeletons in any cupboards there. <laughs> but they, they, well, but, you know, that's a testament, actually. I'll give a, a little plug for Heimer's. A testament for Heimer's. It gave me great confidence mm. and amazing resilience. You know, even though I was there... But I wasn't good academically, but it gave me tons of stuff um, that I've really used over the years. Um, and I'm very, very grateful for that. But of course, it's funny how life carries on, isn't it? Because I left when I was 16. And, and within six months, I was actually recruited into Hull's foremost pop band at the time, which was called The Odds. Um, and it was, a, it was a chap called uh, Stuart Mackerman who recruited me into the band. And of course, Stuart Mackerman went on to form Sade, um, so he's now a multimillionaire living in New York and I'm still in touch with him from time to time. But um, yeah, so for, for three years, immediately after leaving school, I was, uh, I was touring the UK and, and Europe and making records, playing concerts all over the place, being on telly and, and all that sort of thing. So I would lived the dream as a pop star for a bit. And you know, I always remember my, uh, my friends were doing their A-levels and I was, I was on stage in Stockholm, Stockholm University. I thought, well, fair enough.
0: We mentioned a link with Jonathan Elvidge. Now, you were in a very popular yeah, band yeah, well, with, right. Jonathan's, then, with Jonathan Elvidge's brother, Mark.
1: Yes, yeah, I was, yeah, Mark, yeah. So uh, the, uh, the odds migrated into a band called Moscow. And, uh, we, and when Stuart left, he was the saxophonist, we thought, well, it was moving into sort of like more synth, and we wanted to move in that direction. So we recruited Mark as our, our synthesizer player. Yeah, so we, I worked with Mark uh, Elvidge for three years, yeah. What
0: was the, uh, what was the uh, TV program that you won? Was that? Was uh, Battle, of the yeah, was Battle,
1: Battle of, of the, the Bands. Yeah, Battle of the Bands. Yeah, with the precursor to, uh, I guess, The X Factor, if you like. Uh, so yeah, we played in the final of the Battle of the Bands. We had to go through loads of different rounds um, to get to the final. It's, there were six bands there. It was on BBC TV. Um, played in front of three and a half thousand people at the Hammersmith Odeon you know one of the iconic venues of of the world really uh, you know it's it's um the f- most frightening thing i've ever done in my life to be honest i was absolutely petrified before i went on stage and of course the stage was bigger than most places we would played um wow. so yeah that was a, that was an experience and a half for sure
0: was was there ever a uh, some big hair or some ridiculous outfits that you you'd be willing well, to look, share you, with us
1: if you can be bothered, there's actually loads of stuff on uh, on YouTube. So, yeah, you can even go and investigate that. So, Moscow for Pleasure, the odds, it's all on there. Moscow for Pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> we Moscow for might have Pleasure. To... We had we to, might check have to... to Yeah, well, because, I mean, fast forward with the band, um, 10 years, not not quite 10 years ago, um, about seven years ago, it was Strawberry's um, 20th anniversary, and I thought, and it was coming up to my 50th birthday. And, um, we got an opportunity to reform and play a one-off gig at the party in the park. And so, and, um, I said, no, we're not going to do that. Anyway, I I rang everybody and said, you were all up for it. So we actually opened the show, party in the Park, playing with Rick Astley, ABC, Bananarama. Uh, so we hadn't played for 27 years together and we played in front of 5,000 people. and we liked it, so we, we, and we changed our name at that stage because obviously Moscow didn't work in the internet age. So we had to think of another name. So Moscow for Pleasure came up. No other re- connotations with that, of course. And, and we actually ended up doing another album. So I recorded this album, and this, uh, this isn't very rock and roll, but the, uh, the chap called Steve Harris, who actually produced, he's got a Grammy, um, a fantastic producer, and he produced the Kai, Kaiser Chief's first album. Um, anyway I know him from playing down the golf club I mean as I say it's not very rock and roll is it and he, he, produced, yeah, he produced some of the tracks on the album for us so it was a great that was a great experience and then we played the, we played the album at, at Fruit and the Welly just to sort of like get it off our chest and um, so all of that's on the internet as well so it's, it's, it was great fun doing that
0: so was business as a, 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 really a result of the, uh, the rock and roll dream uh, being short-lived? Was, yeah, was well,
1: of sort, of sort of, that's what got, I mean, I didn't really, I mostly didn't have any qualifications as such. So um, I, was, I was really interested and I got very interested in, in promoting the band and sort of managing the band. I was the youngest in the band, but I was the most sensible by miles. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I ended up sort of like organizing everything. And um, and that got me into sort of like the marketing and the um, and that side of it. So I got a job in an advertising agency when when the band sort of like stopped. Um, and then that um, that folded. It was a big advertising agency, but it, uh, and then I ended up getting a job in Spain for three years because I actually could speak can speak Spanish. Um, so I ended up being a marketing manager in a hotel in Spain, and when I was there. I, one of our suppliers. I went to see them, and this was bearing in mind this was back in 1987, 1988. And in the corner of their little studio was a little Apple Mac. I'd never seen one before. And someone's was manipulating uh, type and graphics, and I thought, "That's it. I'll do that." Came back to the UK, wow. spent um, 15,000 quid on some Apple Mac equipment. Bearing in mind, it got like that bought you uh, four megabytes of RAM and 14 megabyte hard drive. That's all it got you, uh, back in those days. But yeah, so I started doing desktop publishing. Uh, and that business, um, transformed. Was, this your, was this your business? Yeah, yes, yeah, so I started so this, it, yeah. This
2: was the start of you going on your own?
1: Yeah, exactly. So I was only um, uh, 26 uh, years old. Uh, so came back to the UK, set up a business, doing desktop publishing, and then that rolled on within four years, in 1993, it's becoming Strawberry.
2: Can you remember why, like in the late 80s and at that age, why you didn't come back and, and get a job doing that with someone else? Why, what, how you decided that it was it was something you had to do for yourself?
1: I've been surrounded by people who've had their own businesses. My dad had his own business. Um, right. I, I always had it in my head. I was just going to do my own thing, whatever it was. I, but I hadn't got a clue what it was going to be, really not, not an idea, because I really wasn't good at anything. I mean, I was in the band, but I wasn't particularly good at Guitar, but I could, you know, I could jump around adequately, and that was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was all that was required. So yes, yeah, so I'm a bit of a jack of all trades, really. So that that, uh, and I felt that that the design, because the design and marketing, it travels so quickly. Um, you can use you, you, can adapt your common sense, and I think I had, I just happened to have a lot of common sense. I think. So I learned. Quickly. That's
0: interesting. Yeah. It's interesting because. Uh, every band now every new band starting out dJs you know it's 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 one thing being able to dj or play guitar but you need to be able to represent and push yourself on social media you need to be your own marketeer now to have any chance really yeah that's And you a good were one, yeah. you were doing you were doing that 30 years ago you know, yeah that's that's yeah. incredible really yeah. uh, that's yeah. incredible. how did you how did that look when you when you rubbed shoulders with other artists, uh, was anybody else doing doing that in the in the same way that you you were doing, or was it always they had somebody else representing them? No, I think
1: I mean there's a, obviously the smaller bands. You tend to manage yourself. Sometimes they have, we we did have a manager for a, for a while, but he was useless. Um, so we got u- rid of him and we just did it ourselves. Sometimes you can do it yourselves. You make connections, and you know if you're bright enough, you you'll get on with it. Really. And we, we played with a lot you know played with lots of different artists um you know from um back in back in the day like the selector the tourist the dam we played with the dam i was an iconic punk band um it was gr- just a great to experience the whole whole thing from start to finish and then actually looking back on it you, you don't realize how much you learn it's, it's, it's obvious isn't it you just when you're in something yeah. you don't realize actually how much you're learning while you, you're going through it
0: yeah and strawberry was
1: 93 1993 yeah so um i went via leeds i i sold my first business actually to a business in leeds and and that didn't sort of like work out because you know once you've been your own boss you can't work for anyone else i'm afraid you know you're unemployable unemployable exactly so that didn't work out they were a very good company and uh, i was sad to leave them but i had i had to for my own sanity and i set up strawberry back on my own just me and uh, a girl called Susie Gibson, who I'm still connected with now, um, all those years ago. And yeah, so got got Strawberry going, very focused on mul- multiple page stuff, you know, catalogues, magazines, brochures, programs. We did the whole city program starting in one thousand nine hundred and ninety and did that for over 25 years, for example. Oh wow. Um, yeah, so multi-page was the start of it. We built our first website in 1996, so we were very early adopters of that. Uh, we started doing online marketing, but we had to call it online PR because no one understood digital marketing back in those days. Uh, so we were trying to get people to go onto Facebook and all, all of that sort of thing. And um, yeah, so eventually, so uh, Strawberry was always a project for me. Um, I wanted to sort of get out while I did, still could. I mean, it's hard working at the face of a business like that. Um, and I wanted to do something different. And I really always enjoyed the mentoring and the teaching and, and, um, and consulting. And that, that was always really what I really sort of really enjoyed personally. Uh, it's totally different to running a business. And um, yeah, fast forward to left Strawberry with nearly 2 million turnover, 40, 40 staff. And I was really, really proud to be able to sort of like pass it on to a management buy-in from two guys, Dominic and James, who I'd brought on. You know, they'd worked for me. Dominic had worked for me for over 20 years, and James, certainly 12 to 13 years. So that was a real proud moment to, to hand over the keys to them, really, and, and let them have a go.
2: Yeah. So, that, so then you move into consulting.
1: Yes. So, so
2: is that um, like all around business consulting? Is that like,
1: Yeah, I mean, well, there's three elements to it really is that it's a mentoring aspect of it. So I really try try and get in the heads of the people that I'm working, you know, the bosses of the companies that I'm advising. Pure business consulting. Yes, absolutely. Uh, But obviously I have the agency specialism. So all of my clients are really in that creative um, space, you know, and all around the country and and Ireland as well. So I've got filmmakers. People were really big web development uh, companies, marketing, social media—a real, real gamut of different, different companies.
0: Yeah. So, what do those clients look like in, in terms of are they are they super open to growth and your help? Is there some resistance that you experience no, there? No. Or...
1: No, I think the fact that they've taken me on that means that they're open minded and they want to grow. Other, otherwise, what's the point? You know, that it would be it would be no point whatsoever. And um, and they're great to work with, you know, they're really, really open-minded, you know, they want to do things, they want to, they want to change, they want to move on, they want to learn, you know, all of the characteristics of a good, good entrepreneurs really, you know, very open-minded and, you know, so it's, it's just fun working with them all, you know, I've, had, I've got a lot out of working with them, Pro- probably more out of working with helping them get the best out of themselves. Uh, than I did actually from running my own business, if if that makes sort of sense, you know. I, I've sort of like tr- found my true vocation. It's one of teaching, really.
2: Yeah, it's quite interesting because there's quite an overlap there with um, a previous guest Martin uh, doing some coaching, and he was referring to the the fact that every time he coaches someone, he also learns, and then that's an opportunity to serve better and so it's it's absolutely absolutely
1: yeah absolutely you never stop learning and i think uh, in the uh, probably in the last three years i've learned more than i did in the previous 10 maybe (laughs) Um, just because i'm exposed to different people how people different really understanding more about personalities um, and how they operate how they think uh, what what their capabilities are and how can i how can i get the best out of them that that's my job really you know i'm a, a mentor Pro- predominantly yeah. but of course I understand the business stuff as well and I certainly understand agencies.
2: So obviously you tap into your, your wealth of business knowledge from you know, decades in uh, running your own business. Uh, do you also then actively learn or do you organically learn and observe, absorb
1: I, my my learning, the way I I, I learn best is organically. I, I learn by doing. So I've got my ears open. I learn, I learn by talking. Everybody that I talk to, you know, in, including I remember. I remember when James came to see me. It must have been about ten years ago. James, was so. it?
0: Won't be far off, actually. Yeah, yeah.
1: something like that. I mean, That's I remember. what
0: we
1: was while ago. I remember you walking in the in the office, and I remember our discussion. You know, um, and that that sort of, I, I've got a really good memory for for people and and i'm listening and i'm learning every every time someone says them to me I'm, I'm processing it um and you know keeping the good bits and so on you know i can use that later or um but for some reason i've got a good memory around those sort of things sadly at, at school i had a, no memory for anything <laughs> it's come late it's come later I'm
2: spanish by the sounds of it
1: yeah no my spanish is good yeah and my spanish is good. I, I do i still um practice i do an hour Uh, Skype with uh, a Spanish uh, girl every every week just talking about current affairs and topics and things like that just just to keep me fluent yeah
2: so so how did how's your like business model look um now or or prior to this current situation was it um face-to-face uh virtual mix of both you know
1: um, I prefer face-to-face because obviously you don't get the nuances of body language over, over video. You know, you're in 2D rather than 3D. And mm. uh, you know and sometimes it's what you don't hear is more important than what you do hear. Um, but actually, I have been continuing with them, obviously, from the lockdown for the last six, six weeks. I mean, that, I mean, I did myself out of a job, really, because I, I actually sent my first uh, bulletin to over to them. and said, like, you know, we've got to conserve cash. We've got to see where we are so you've got to cut overheads and, and i'm afraid i'm one of your overheads so i'm cutting myself out so I, I sack myself from all of them but i said i'll continue working for them for uh, for the foreseeable future but just don't pay me because i you know i can't give them advice and then saying but forget everything's still paying you know that wasn't going to be how it's going to work so yeah i'm still working for one, them now
0: if there's one way to um to put yourself forward for a long term working relationship that is it right I mean yeah I'm sure I speak for all three of us here where you come across people that that just don't get it they think so short term you know those quick those quick wins quick fixes and they don't see the bigger picture and they, they either don't have the patience or they, they want to you know they just want to achieve stuff now and that's all that matters and I know we we caught up uh, we caught up the other day and you told me about that and you think like, that's really resonates with most people if not all that we're connected with certainly who have come on this show our network you know it's like right what can I do now if you just offer value give value and 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 strengthen all of our clients our relationships as much as possible exactly now's Uh, the
1: time to strengthen those relationships for sure and and I've always been of the opinion that you know the good go far and you know giving is good and um, give back where you can and look who knows? It doesn't matter if I get something, back. I'm not inter- It doesn't really matter. That, in fact, it doesn't matter at all. I'm just happy to do it, and, and I, I will get a lot of satisfaction out of them uh, surviving and thriving. Yeah, I really will. You know, and that means more to me than anything, really.
2: Yeah, I had a, a conversation with my accountant um, yesterday uh, about a similar sort of thing, actually, because accountants have obviously become one of the busiest people in the yeah. business world right now because all of the rules and regulations and all these new things i mean no one knew what the word furlough meant and now all of a sudden we've got this new word They've
1: made it up that's why <laughs> yeah
2: so and and i know that he's pulling sort of like nine ten eleven o'clock at night consistently right away for the past six weeks trying to serve his client base and obviously he's got employees and things And I, and this is what i said to him you need to you need to pull all those extra hours together and and, and uh, keep track of it and then invite your clients at a later date to, to split that cost between them because he shouldn't be suffering in order to provide a service. Because I know, speaking from my companies, I would have been completely lost with the grants, the loans, the furloughing.
1: Sure. Yeah, No, it's complicated. Yeah, yeah it's complicated absolutely.
2: for sure. And, um, and he shouldn't be paying a price for that Um, and I imagine a lot of his clients would all step forward and say yeah I want to pay a share of that I want to I want to help help keep you um keep you keep you going so
1: yeah but also clients think well no cancer's had it good for so long we'll just we'll just take advantage of them (laughs) finally get them to do some work for them
0: (laughs) I think that's what, that's what I think. I have a feeling that's what you think. So that's your feeling of yours as
1: well, right? No, yeah, but you're right. You're absolutely right. Because I mean, but uh, but my opinion is is that uh, we're all in it together, and actually, we should be sharing knowledge and advice and best practice. Because you know, even when I was even at, at the height of strawberry, I, I was I would I tried to reach out to all of the, my, if you like, competitors uh, around the town and, and just be. It, you know get to know them and then because whilst we we're sort of loosely in com, uh, competition we only cross paths very slightly so but it's better to know everybody you know I think in um even more so in a small place like Hull perhaps but you know like we're talking across across the globe here aren't we? with, yeah. the, with this podcast yeah um yep. it,
2: it, it's certainly better to worry about what you're doing rather than what your competitors
1: do. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, for, for absolute definite. There's no point in thinking what they're doing and things like that. You know, just if you concentrate on your on your, your what you're doing yourselves and take advice from other sources, then you'll always do you'll always be okay. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
0: If you could if you could take yourself back to any three moments in time through your business journey, Jonathan, the with the that would create a feeling, you know, whether that's satisfaction, enjoyment, excitement. Now, what would it, if, if, you, if you could go back in a time machine and, and go, you have a minute or two back in that, that one moment, which three stand out? out I and why? think
1: there's one that stands out. Um, well, obviously, uh, exiting the business was a, was a big moment. Um, but it, going long, long way back to about 19, prior strawberry must be about 1991, and we just lost a massive client. Um, a big lesson really a bit, massive client were too big for us but they'd gone and suddenly thought I was scratching around uh, and I was just making phone calls after phone calls and I really got busy and then one day within a week I remember just putting the phone down on the telephone call just went into the main office and said we're back in business and uh, I'd, I'd replaced the client with with uh, better um, and that taught me a big lesson you know that's a you, you get on your front foot Soon, you do not, you don't wallow in your own self pity. You don't sit there and think I'm screwed. You know, you just get on your front foot and you make it happen. So that's probably my biggest lesson ever actually, James. And I actually remember it like it was yesterday and I've never forgotten that. And every time, you know, I used to annoy the hell out of um, the uh, senior management team at Strawberry because anytime anything went, went wrong, I said, wow, we've got an opportunity. And go, what do you mean it's gone wrong? So no, this is an opportunity. Let's find the opportunity. And we always did.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The, know, the and
1: I've still, mi- still got the same mindset.
2: How did you, how did you celebrate the sale of strawberry? Um,
1: was
0: it a celebration? Oh, I love no, that. No, no, it wasn't a celebration. Are you gym. able to, to, to talk about that on air as well? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a celebration. It was the end of a journey, and I was um, delighted to be able to hand it over to Two people that I knew very well, and, and that I, you know, brought along. You know, that Dom joined the business uh, as an apprentice, and James joined the business wow. as, uh, as the, the the first person in the digital department. So, they they came on this journey with me, and it was a real proud moment. So, I felt proud. That's yeah. how I celebrated, I guess. Um, and then I went on holiday, <laughs> and I think that was it. I, I sort of like appreciated. Clearing my mind, I think, because, I mean, when you're at the coalface, you'll know running a business, you know, when you've got uh, clients, uh, staff, overheads, you know, it's relentless and, um, you know, it's an energy sapper. And and sometimes it's hard to stay positive, but, you know, I always managed it. Um,
0: Well, and the thing, whenever you you think, whenever you feel just at a point of, we've got a handle of this now.
1: Something changes. Yeah. It.
0: bang. Yeah, a, yeah, certainly. When we look at this at this, uh, at this yeah. period of of, uh, of time that we're, we're all experiencing, not to say that we by any means had a handle on anything that we're doing. No, and, no, uh, you know. No, but but this has certainly pulled the, uh, the 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 rug. Yeah, but on, challenges you know. are what
1: challenges are what define you, aren't they? You know that that's the truth of the matter. Is anybody can run a business when you're going downhill and you've got the wind behind you and the economy is growing and um, you're, you're on turbo boost and you pick the phone up and you want a new client or a job goes really well and anybody can run a business in those, in those circumstances, literally anybody. It's, it's when you get the knocks, it's when you get the, um, you start having to go uphill into a rainstorm, thundercloud. thunder cloud. You, you know, that's when it defines, that's what defines you. It's yeah. how you cope in bad situations is exactly what defines you.
0: And of course, Phil, that's Phil was. For. Well, Phil and I were talking this morning, and it was it Sam Ovens that you were, you were, love that? Well, I'll never forget the conversation we had this morning that you you spoke about Sam Ovens and his business and how he, he disrupted everything he did for his business. Was that right?
2: Yeah, so the, so the, the discussion, and, it, and it, we'll, we should link to the video because it's a really worthwhile watch. Um, it's, it's a discussion about um, businesses live in either chaos or order. And, and they can fail in both areas equally yeah. Um, yeah. one being organized and safe and going through the re- routine, like blockbuster, get taken out by a disruptor. Others living in chaos without the plans and the routines. And whenever it's working, they try and bring in new products and new services and things and mixing it up can fail equally. And so, so what he does is he, he, he tries to bounce between the two and, and live in, live in the middle area. And while his business was, um, was growing and being successful, he identified this. And so in order to create order, um, he grew his hair long. He's usually short. Um, he talks about... I tried that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, t- he, t- he talks about how he's only ever had an iPhone. And so he switched to an Android phone, um, which also helped him develop software for the other half of the world that doesn't have the iPhone. And just to introduce this chaos. And when you when you look at the video previous to this one, he introduces heavy metal in, into a marketing video, which which he hadn't seen done before. Again, just, just throwing in chaos. And, and this video was from the beginning of the year or, or late last year. Um, but when you watch it now, you know, sat in the middle of COVID, which is just the ultimate moment of chaos, which is just forcing every business owner, whether they want to or not, to, to be in chaos, either because they're too busy or too quiet, um, the creation that's going on and the energy that that produces in the right business owner, which I think is what, you know, what, what you're referring to there, that those, those, those moments where um, you know, everything changes. And so you need to welcome that and you need to, you need to see it as a positive, not a negative. Um, yeah, it was it. Well, like I say we'll, we'll put the link to the video because. No, would I mean,
1: no, be really interesting to see that. I mean, you're right, of course. Um, you've got to get that in balance. I mean, and that actually is, is a skill which is beyond the very, very vast majority of people because they, they either don't, I mean, bear, bear in mind, you've got to have some sort of resources as well. You've got to, have, you know, that describes a business that's got a solid base that's actually providing revenue so you can have chaotic businesses and just see what flies that's absolutely right there are other big businesses of course i mean smith and nephew is a is a prime exam, example of that one and it is that this is probably another epiphany that i had that i didn't realize i was when i i, I, I climbed kilimanjaro four years ago and as part of that i did some training with them um, as was the old chair chairman of smith and nephew because he was sort of like helping helping with the sponsorship and everything and i spent um, we, we did the Yorkshire Three Peaks together. So I got the idea, I got the time to bend his ear for like hours. And, um, <laughs> so quite, and, and Smith and Nephew have been going over 150 years. And he said the reason that businesses like that are so successful that, albeit this might not sound chaos or disruptive, but they're changing their infantry every three years by 30%. I mean, that's a big, that's a four billion turnover business. And they do enough, their R&D is so great that a third of their inventory changes every three years. I mean, that's disruption, yeah. but on a massive scale. So it's not, so it got me thinking about that. And, and actually that's exactly what I've been doing all my, all my career. I never realized it because all, all the time I just wanted to change the business. We had to be doing different things. We could not, if you stand still, you're already traveling backwards. And, and growing, that isn't necessarily growing. That's just uh, updating your model. So you're actually ahead of where you need to be.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, looking at strawberry, uh, starting off with websites and being such an early adopter as well. So you're educating people, you're selling them into, into websites. Then comes SEO and Google and an SEO doesn't stand still. It's always changing the algorithm. So it's a constant dig- in digital, in particular, a constant you
1: can't chase it. You've got to be ahead of the curve. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I think that's the difference between really good businesses and, Uh, um, me too businesses is that the the really good businesses are actually chasing the curve they're already looking over the horizon and what's coming next
2: yeah
1: and that's so important it's so important every business never mind what you know creative industries we call them creative we should be creative but but all industries even something like smith and nephew you think well they they just make stuff don't they but actually no they're really innovative i mean unbelievably innovative
2: and, and you would think with them as well, the patent, the lifespan of the patents and things that they must be, they must have,
1: you just thought they would, ha- they would, would be able to rest on their laurels and have a long shelf life. No, no, they can't because the trouble is they get, all, they get, they get nipped at the buds that the patents don't mean much because some, someone only has to change something slightly and off they go. So they, they've got to innovate. They've got to be first to market with loads of stuff. Right. And that's why they get the big bucks as well because obviously their, their, their new stuff goes into the first world private uh, healthcare yeah. effectively. So their business model is absolutely fantastic. But you look at all of the good businesses, all of the great businesses, they're constantly innovating even though you can't even see it because um, it, take cars for example and this is a really good example actually. You get into a car now, go outside, get in your car and then get into that same car from three years ago it's vastly different, vastly different. But yet, you've not even noticed it. Yeah.
2: And it's it's a lot worse. It's a lot worse if that new car is a higher car and you get back into your own car.
1: (laughs) Well, exactly. (laughs) But it's incredible. But you don't notice it because it's so all the changes are subtle. They don't make massive leaps. You know, they're all very subtle changes. And actually, good business is doing that all the time. I mean, uh, Amazon is a prime example. You go back to Amazon version one, they've never had, they've ne- Amazon have never said a new website coming out, never said it, because they've just iterated it all the time, they've just added bits, they've changed bits, they're all, always changing it, always changing it. So they, you know, they've never let the grass grow and that's, that's the secret of, of success for any business. Constantly um, iterations, constantly yeah. evolving, constantly changing.
2: Well, yeah. And, 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 and I mean, Amazon is a, is a great example. The library of, of facilities and, and directions that they now go in uh, just in order to, because the innovation isn't straight line either, is it? That's- no, no,
1: it's not. No, absolutely. And uh, when you talk about, I mean, that's why when you, I, I, I get slightly, I know we talk a lot disruptive businesses and chaos and things like that and uh, changing the model for things like that. This is like a very, 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 very small percentage of what's going on in the economy. We need it because we need those people to, to do those sort of things, but actually, generally, the economy is moving, is innovating all the time, but it's so subtle you can't see it.
2: Yeah.
1: So if you've you got could, to build innovation that, at the heart of your business is what I'm talking about. Really important. With
0: that, man, I'm curious, if you could be the, the CEO of any business, any company around the world, which would it be and why? What, you know, what, 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 oh, would you, I'd love to be part of that because there's a, there's a question.
1: Um, well, oh, i have done some things, didn't... I
0: was going to say, James, what's yours? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. Um, any company around the world? So now, first one to first come up with one, dive in. <laughs> you've you've stumped me Uh, I would be it would have to be uh, uh, there's a there's a techno music label called Drumcode and I just love what they do they travel around the world they put amazing events on and their record label just um, encourages loads of really cool producers and puts them on a platform and then you know they've not only got their own company and label they put on their own festivals and events that they bring their artists into i just love i mean i love dance music and techno but in terms of a business model it's just just amazing i really love that so i would i would because it's created it feed that creative um that creative being as well as musically and yeah the business model is phenomenal and travel, which, of course, you know, all of those key areas, business travel music. Uh, that, that, yeah, that would, that would well, I've
1: got, I've got three as well, actually. Um, what, one is really, I'd like to to um, be inside Facebook. Facebook be the one for me because I think Facebook could do so much good. I think it lost its way very quickly because it was just travelling so rapidly and so much stuff that was out of its control. Um, but I think they've sort of got, Back on track, and they know who they are again. I think Facebook would be a really, really interesting one to get involved in. Um, My hobby one would be um, a guitar company, and my favourite guitar brand is Rickenbacker. I don't know if anybody have heard of them, Um, but they're really sort of like they—they are a Hicksville organization in California, and all all Rickenbacker players and owners absolutely love them. They're They're so geeky towards them, but it's such a weird organization. I'd love to get inside that one. Um, and then the other one would be an airline, just because that's my my other geeky passion. Yeah, just uh, I, I, inside wow, of an air, airline like that, uh, an airline. Yeah, the benefits
0: of an airline.
1: Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd like to get flown first class everywhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you worked, if you if you were a CEO of Facebook, you wouldn't essentially need an airline. Oh, you just have yeah, you right. just have your own your own jet, wouldn't you? I'd so, a, I mean, would have a Gold, be,
1: Goldstream six hundred and fifty. That's what I'd go for. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: nice and Phil what about you um, so I I think I would enjoy a hybrid between uh, something like Peloton uh, really I think they've just started and they're onto something really good uh, the community and the, in, the in-home facilities and Oculus and I think if those two companies were, were together you know with the VR headsets yeah yeah um, I think if, if Peloton and Oculus had a child, a CEO of that company. That's uh, that'd be that'd be uh, interesting. And, nice. And, and then the, and then there's there's no really
0: stopping the avenues that that could go in. Out of interest, Jonathan, you said Facebook. There, what what springs to matter, What would you throw into Facebook that they aren't doing at all? At the well, moment, I
1: don't you think. Not, I think they're doing so many different things. I think it's it, it, like anything. It started with a really good, really good simple idea, like many of the things, it was the one that floated to the top and got traction and started working. And very rapidly, um, all of the others dropped out, out the way and Facebook was the last man standing from a point of view of social networks. Um, and then they started to decide how, how they could monetize it. So obviously Facebook and the, the data they've got on people is just unbelievable, isn't it? Um, so, but then you've got, you've got um, such a massive responsibility and I don't think they realized what responsibility they had now and but they have such a massive responsibility. So I think they need to be more transparent. I think they need to make less money in all honesty. I think they should start doing things for good, uh, more things for good. They do plenty of things for good, but they should do more things for good. And it's that type of organization that really could um, be a transformational one for the human race. And all on I think they've got so many potential. So I'm not necessarily looking at it as a commercial business as such. I just think it's one of those sort of things that um, governments could tap into, as long as it wasn't nefar- for nefarious reasons, like we found out with uh, Cambridge Analytica. Um, but if they could, t- if they could tame that and actually make it a force for good, it, gosh, what what a powerful mm. engine that could be for all sorts of things for for medicine, for diagnosing for interest, for keeping people together, all sorts of things Facebook could be um, good for.
2: Yeah.
1: That, that's my, that's my, but to be honest, in all honesty, James, as you probably realise, that is my philosophy behind most things. I think you should do things for good first and foremost. And actually yeah. commercials, often commercial success will just follow by default. You know, that is the byproducts of doing something.
0: Well, this, look at this channel. This was yeah. purely off the back of uh, we've mentioned this a few times, we've been procrastinating for a year, buying different equipment. Should we go down this route or that? And, and there's always something more pressing than starting a podcast. Once you start, consistency is key. You know, you've got to, your audience needs to know when your episodes are coming out, how they look, what areas you're covering, who you might have on the show. And so we, we, we had a year. And then as this all kicked in, it was literally like, I remember speaking with Phil walking around, around my place and just going, this is what we need to do. And this is how we're going to do it. And Phil, Phil's like, right, okay. So, yeah, when we when we know we've got a guest on, then um, we'll look, we'll do do some research on them, and then put some questions together. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's because that's another reason why why we won't then record it because it'll it'll create more tasks that we don't have time to do. Sure. So we just yeah. we commit to doing yeah. it. We'll get people on, and let's just everything that we're reading. And everybody that we're speaking with in this story is just about just do it and go for it. So it's like, well, let's just do that. And episode three is different to episode one. Episode ten is different to episode three. And you've just got to got to get out there and and, and do that. And that was exactly yeah. this. And the way that that's our t- the the way our team are now working, um, the level that they're working at um, it is is phenomenal. I mean, we've we've given them a day off today. We've we've closed the studio down today. Because they're all working, not only in terms of time, but they're so committed from themselves. As a result of this, because we've all jumped on board, we've switched the business around, we're connecting with literally thousands of people. And you know, after every episode, the way that we're able to feed back to the team, because we create a folder with all of the, the copy and the, the logos and web links and all of that, and we create a folder, and it's so great going back to the team, it's going, Oh, we've had a great episode with that, and they're all they're all looking forward to listening to it, whether it's a podcasting route or and putting it all together and putting their personality and expertise on it. It's massive, and this is only a result of us going right. How how do we help and reach and connect to as many people as possible? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the the,
1: channels... the this a uh, real just sort of so build on that. Um, I mean, this is a slight, and we're going to be talking about this in a, in another episode about b- building resilience and and uh, but the most important business. Um, tip I would give to absolutely anybody is actually just focus on your clients because actually if you keep giving ideas to your clients you will just keep rolling forward if you keep thinking for your clients they will not only thank you for it but you'll probably get some extra business from it as well and, and you're more locked in with them as well so you, you've got to become a partner you've got to see you, that client as, the, as your partner in your business to take you and them forward and I think that's forgotten because people think business is transactional uh, and I actually don't believe it is. I think it's all to do with relationships, 100% to do with relationships. Clearly there are transactions going on, but that is because of the relationship happening. Yeah. Um, and, the, and, and people who think really in most businesses, people think, well, it's, you know, I'm selling my hours and my time. They're not, they're selling, you're selling your value, you're selling your, your ideas and it doesn't matter what business you're in, the same applies. So it's a big, strong core philosophy that I've got, and it works, it really works, but you've got to be in the right mindset to, to do it.
0: Uh, there, there are people that will never get that, and, and you, I, I'm sure you, like like, like we do, we, you come across those people often, and I, I, I touched on, uh, I think I touched on the episode with Martin Johnson, the last episode of Martin Johnson. And I've got better now at realising, of just taking a step back and realising that you're not able to, to change every business or every po- everybody that you speak with because they're either not ready for it right now, it's not to say they won't be ready for it, but they're just not that kind of person. You know, I was touched earlier on that short-sighted approach, you know, that if it's pure on money, what money, what money can I get from this transaction, mm-hmm. this, this yeah. relationship short term? And thinking the long term and as you said you've just instantly gone i'm not i'm not going to charge anybody i'm not charging any of you as my clients but i'm still going to work for you and and i'm a true i'm a true believer in that that, that does carry you forward for the long term yeah, and yeah I'm, people I'm talk, right? talks. I but <clears throat> yeah i
1: mean thinking back to when i first started business because i was i didn't know really i mean i just like picked stuff up as i as i went along i had, I had no formal training i hadn't got a clue what i was doing sometimes that was probably better actually um, so, I just made it up really, as I went along and li- and, and listened and listened a lot. but um, I, I remember thinking you know um, if a new client said, so, "Oh, how much am I going to be able to invoice this month or is it next month or you know and that 's my thought process but when I think back on that now i don 't think like that at all now, and I, and I try and be, I put that over to the clients that i 'm working with don 't think like that so when a new client comes on board don 't think how much you 're going to make out of them today or this month or next month, just think. The journey that you go on together as partners over the next five years—what's that going to be worth to both of you? And suddenly, the conversation has changed. Yeah. And suddenly, you're moving forward with that client with a, with a common goal. And it's um, it's it's a revolutionary thinking in lots of ways. Well, it's, it, people do it, but p- perhaps they don't realise they're doing it.
0: I remember watching a seminar with Hannah and Helen from Hitch and Hitch, who we've we've had on the show. Amazing. Oh, they're amazing.
1: they're fabulous business, yeah.
0: Incredible. Yeah. The, the, the only episode out of 31, 32 that we've covered that I messed up. I messed up the intro because I think subconsciously I was aware of of how how great a powerhouse is those two are you know uh,
1: yeah
0: yeah incredible and I remember it was an FEO seminar and they they were uh, they were presenting and I can't remember the exact figures but they really they really drilled down into a business and identified how much they spent on retaining a client and how much it cost to bring a new client into the business and let's say it was the difference between 500 pound and 5000 yes yeah, you know, it was it's that a lot. greater it's a lot. yeah it's
1: yeah. well i mean but, but that I mean, it's so obvious isn't it you know it's this is the difference between a lot a lot of businesses think that they're in the hunting business they think we have got to go out hunting for clients and i say well okay do a bit but actually it's become a better farmer you know just look after your crops you know think of mm-hmm. Think, think about the fertiliser you need to put on the crops. Think about the water you need to put on the crops. Think about how many times you need to check that they're okay and that there's no, all of those sort of things. Whereas hunters, you know, they're just all, they're interested in the thrill of the chase and the, and the kill. Um, and bring back, look, look at me, I've got this fantastic thing. And then on to the next thing. And then and in the meantime, the back door of their business is wide open and all of those clients that they should be farming are walking out.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, it's the, it's the archetypal thing that some businesses have just got the taps on full, full blast. And they've, they've taken the plug out the, the bath, you know. so a- I,
0: I, I do remember speaking with you and yeah, I, I was at the, I was at Strawberry HQ, but at C4DI. So you, you yeah. were in HQ where you moved and you, I asked you some advice about pitching, um, pitching for new clients and you said that you just didn't do that ever that you made a decision how long how many years ago that you just don't do that that people know what you do and how you do it and if they want to be part of that then great if not then you're not going to invest a week or two's worth of work for your team that could be invested into strengthening an existing Yeah, but client. strengthening
1: existing relationships, exactly, because the, um, uh, and this is common with advertising agencies and marketing agencies and design agencies, they get invited to do a pitch, and of course, by default, they'll always put the best people on the pitch. What about the poor clients that are left in the agency? They get the B or the C team. That's not fair, is it? And then the, and then the A team, when they've done the pitch and then they've won the work, they hand them over to the B team, and, you know, yeah. it's just not right yeah it's not right and and I explained this to clients when they came in Said, look but why would you do this and a pitch is only a beauty parade anyway because once it's once it's over then you know you what the the work that you've pitched is changed and you go off and do whatever but it's just ingrained in that industry for some reason and other industries that you've got to pitch for this sort of work but actually you should be relying on their you know their, their reputation their um their case studies their testimonials and things like that and gosh you know, we, I, I believe that strawberry became um, quite magnetic from a point of view of attracting the right type of clients through the door. Um, and so it wasn't a case of we, we, we would pitch, but only on the basis that it was a done deal. But, you know, you, which it happens occasionally. Yeah. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't. I mean, it's just really such a waste of time for everybody concerned doing, doing those sort of like meaningless pitches and that, and the agency gets consumed with the, um, and the best people are drawn onto it. And, you know, I'm no, no, not a fan of it at all, as you can probably tell. <laughs> yeah.
2: But also it's, it's, uh, it's difficult to sustain a relationship when it starts on those values.
1: Well, the thing about it is as well, I mean, let's just go in relationship terms, for example, it's the, it's the it's the the first date and the whining and dining and the flowers and the presents and the chocolates mm-hmm. and, the, and the and holiday and things like that and suddenly it just and then it just goes flat so we're all yeah. got now you know yeah. let's forget all of that you know that's not the best way to do it um, yeah I uh, don't ask me about my uh, my marriages <laughs> way so <laughs> yeah, I can get I don't, don't that, that that's the one one thing that I will not give anybody advice on. <laughs> So
2: moving, moving swiftly on from marriage, <laughs> um, what are you reading or listening to at the moment?
1: Uh, I listen to, a, I go out walking for a couple of hours every day and I put my headphones on and listen to podcasts religiously. But actually what I'm focusing on quite interestingly is history, because history is not only fascinating, but history teaches you what's going to happen next you know so all i can't i can't
2: the, leave that i can't leave that stone unturned so let, let's just let's dive it so where where what you, what well, interestingly where that, that statement come from let's start
1: with that I, I i listened to a very interesting podcast about the podcast i mean to make it current about the spanish flu epidemic in um pandemic in 18 9, 1918 1919 and the um and how that was dealt with and why it became because obviously that was between 50 and 100 million people killed. Uh, and also then comparing that with the the Black, the black Plague, uh, the bubonic plague of um, 1348, and that's it, 1348. So, and just having a look at the similarities and how they came about and how they, how they finished and what, what happened with those. And so then you can start to see things happening again, You know, and people making the same sorts of mistakes and the same um, so, yeah, I think history teaches, teaches yeah. you everything, in fact.
2: You, just, just on that, have you, have you seen the, the uh, similarity with the Silk Road?
1: Yeah, exactly. The, the, well, the, Silk, along the Silk Road. It, exactly, yeah. And, and, and that actually, uh, I was listening to a podcast um, about uh, Peter Frankopan, who wrote that, the new book, The New Silk Road. So I don't know if you've, you've come across it. Not yet, it's no. An absolutely fantastic book. In fact, I would highly recommend it as, as the book to read. Um, I think it's called The New Silk Roads, but it's Peter Frankopan. Um, and I listened to a podcast of his a uh, couple of days back about exp- explaining actually the way that we, because we we in the Western world think we are the world. We invented it. Modern history is the only history, but actually strip all of that away. And actually the the, uh, the birth of history, obviously was Mes- Mesopotamia between Iran and Iraq, uh, China. And as you say, it's all these, these connections through the Silk Roads. And now you're seeing this just reverting almost back to where it was mm-hmm. two, three, four thousand years ago. Yeah. So why, why are we surprised?
2: Yeah. yeah. But because everything, we see everything as digital and everything's just immediate, you don't see it as still as embedded as it was sort of, you know, two thousand years ago. But it is, it, you know, it's got the same, same theme, same. Yeah,
1: exactly. Theme. I mean, the Silk Road's actually per se as a, as a, as a physical, object never existed. So it's just like a, it was a term that was coined later on by another historian. But it's that the principle is exactly the same. It's the trade routes. And, and of course, the trade routes brought other things as well. And um, diseases, for example. So the plague definitely came from the East originally. And then that, with traders, eventually got into Europe and killed, killed half, the, half the European population. Half the European population was killed yeah. in 1346-47. And uh, meanwhile, history was carrying on. And then, and then, of course, in, in 1492, where Columbus goes over to the New World, and within, within 30 years, manages to wipe out 90% of the Incas and the Aztecs yeah. by the common cold, flu, uh, cholera, other diseases that they hadn't experienced. So they had no um, defense again, against them. So it wasn't just the fact that they conquered them. Um, you know, they, they, they killed them, but inadvertently.
0: Yeah.
1: So, so looking back, history, at, it teaches you everything. Yeah.
0: Look yeah. at look, so looking back at history, would you would you say you're a conspiracy theorist? What's your What's your thoughts on conspiracy no. theories?
1: Not, no, I'll leave that to Trump.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> I've came got i a got, and, and came out with
1: that. blinder last night. He just he just needs to read something on. I'm hoping I'm not being too um, controversial here, but he just needs to read something on the internet, and then it's the truth, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it
0: feels that so way. I've got, I've, I've got, we've, we've, uh, this is a, a route we haven't gone out. I've got four, I've just ri- written down four, and I want a, a yes, no, or an unsure answer okay. for both of you. Moon, uh, JFK, government, or, uh, or as we were told? As we're told. As we're told, yeah. Oh, moon landing, did it really happen? Definite.
2: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy, I, I'm going with yes
0: as well, I, I, that's part of my yeah. fundamental belief. 9-11, inside job?
1: No. Okay then.
2: Didn't happen how it how it looks like it happened, was it? But but happened through the same same people, but not with the airplanes.
0: Something in. Don't worry, don't. Don't, Phil. Phil, I've got a VPN on America. Where I won't track this to work to your current location, so you you're safest. Can be. Yeah, known. the CIA uh, the
1: CIA are on the way.
0: <laughs> i I'm, uh, I'm going to stay on my fence just for the purpose. Yeah. <laughs> With your with on-seal your in one hand and your paintbrush in the other. Uh, Covid-19, Covid-19. Uh, I, I'm, I'm,
2: it, 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 is, it is what it is. It, 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 started, it started in Wuhan in some market for me.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of leaning that way but I can also believe, I mean I think obviously what Trump said overnight about it being in this laboratory. I don't think it was synthesized. I don't think it's definitely not a synthesized, but however, there, for that laboratory to actually capture this no- novel coronavirus and then take it into that laboratory to study it, that, that is a potential story. So it could have existed in the laboratory and also outside the laboratory. So I think there might be something in that, even though it's not really a conspiracy theory because it's not synthetic. Yeah. It is interesting
2: conspiracy how- theories. Certain cities were protected more from it in the early stages than other cities. That's quite an interesting thing to look at.
1: Well, you've got especially wanna... Shang,
0: especially Shanghai and Beijing. The, the yeah, Shanghai, the things... Beijing business yeah. districts carried on as, as they yeah. would normally. But but New York is knackered. Yeah.
1: Well, but you've got to look at these different. I mean, I've been to China twice. I've been to I've been to Shanghai, Beijing, Wu, uh, not Wuhan, Xi'an, and I've been to, so uh over over the and you can certainly understand how china works i mean it's phenomenally well organized and if they're going to do something they just get on with it you've got to marry in their totalitarian state you know if they want to do something that no one's going to back chat it and if someone does back chat it they stop them so they just get on with it they can lock down at, at a moment's notice and and the people are very very compliant because that's how they've always been so i can understand that we can't um, impose our values on how China operates because they 've got their own set and they yeah. operate how they operate and then but then you could look at London and New York, and you have got the, the world 's people coming to those places it 's just, it's just a, such a mixture of people and hundreds of thousands of people from arriving from all over the world every day in those cities, so you can understand how it would, um, how it would, would uh, transmit so quickly yeah. Because I came, I came in through Heathrow at the end of, right at the end of February, and uh, obviously starting to get the news about this, and got, you know, it was absolutely packed. And I was thinking, you know, this is, doesn't take much, you know, it doesn't take one person. If you've got one person coughing, touching, sneezing, everybody's got it, yeah. Yeah. and that is exactly what happened. So.
0: To, to 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 just finish off the conspiracy theory subject, I'm speaking with a, a lady called Miriam in uh, in Holland who lives in Amsterdam. Speaking with her in a couple of days uh, to look at getting on a show. She's got her own business. I met her in Morocco in Tagazout and she took her company out to there to to work digitally as a as a collective. Um, and I found she's setting up her podcast channel now. I was like, oh, what are you? What's what's the subject uh, of the podcast? Conspiracy theories. So whether we get Miriam on and she gives us insight into that, uh, or we we go on to hers, or, or both, will be uh, will be yeah. very interesting. we can't we can't f- we can't finish the show on conspiracy theories. Maybe we can. I mean, I'm sure we could talk another hour um, to really drill down into why America faked the moon landing. But we'll finish on a different note. I think. Yeah, let's not let's not get ourselves <laughs> shut down like straight like just on this episode. Let's we've got got three more to do. So. I mean, the flag was waving. The flag shouldn't have been waving. There's, that, there's similarities with rock formation. But I mean, we won't go, we won't finish on that note. But uh, Jonathan Lee, it's been an absolute pleasure. Before we find out where, where people can find you with your web and social hooks, just, I'm curious, what, what keeps you in check physically and mentally? Uh, and and is, uh, how is that different now compared to your normal routine?
1: Uh, well, my routine, my, my routine is, is, is exercise. Socializing and having a purpose that 's my routine so, uh, and I think if you can keep those sort of things going you, and you 'll always, you'll always be you 'll always have flat points, of course you will, but the flat points don 't last very long, and you 'll you'll, you'll lift up out of it. If I feel myself getting a flat point, I get my podcast on and, and listen to a, a fascinating expert talking about something. Doesn't really, in all honesty, it doesn't really matter what it is. It just happens to be history at the moment. I've stopped listening to business podcasts at the moment because there's just too much, too many of them. Um, but nevertheless, apart, apart from this one, this is a chat. It's totally different. It doesn't um, feel like it. <laughs> but the, um, so that's what I do to, to get out of that. Or exercise, you know, exercise just gives you that burst of endorphins and eating healthily, um, not start, not, um, starting the alcohol too early during the day, James. Um, hey, look,
0: this is, this, is, this is pure vodka, and I've still yeah. got a little bit left. I've got a little bit left, so, so I'm not doing too sort of bad. Of
1: my, uh, the, the, um, the wine didn't come out until sort of like after six o'clock. So, uh, and I, I, I think, think it's fair to
0: say I am, two, I am two hours ahead, so just know, remember I, that as well. I'm not as early have. as what...
1: I was pulling yeah. like,
0: to Mick. No, um, I, know, I know, I know.
1: So that, that's how um, I cope. That's how I cope.
0: Cool. And, and I, I like that socialising as well because we, we've, we've asked a number of people and it's usually exercise or what kinds of exercise people do and and then the healthy eating and actually no one's mentioned socialising. And that's a very different setup right now, isn't it? It is. You know, we've, it got is. Ab- we've got an abundance of, of video yeah. digital connections, but yeah. we are missing those those uh, those physical connections. Well, we way
1: are. Way Unfortunately, I'm very fortunate. I could talk, I'll talk over the fence to... Um, Whole uh, City player, so we get we've got plenty to talk about. <laughs> he's, my ne- he's my next door neighbour. I won't say who it is, but he's he's a great guy. So I really enjoy talking to him. Um, it's uh, social distancing, obviously. Yeah, uh, and then just doing these sort of things, you know, it just keeps your your brain your brain going. It's really interesting talking to other people and just listening to what they've got to, their views on the on the world and things like that. And everybody's got a valid view, haven't they?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Where can people find you, Jonathan?
1: Um, well, my website is leaf.co.uk That's and that, with an E? That's with, is an,
0: that
1: with an E. It is, yeah. with an e. Uh, and then just find me on, on LinkedIn, Jonathan Leaf, um, and I'll be happy to connect and have a chat.
0: Awesome. And we just, we'll just just remind our, our audience, our viewers, our listeners, that uh, this is the first of, of a four-part series, which you've uh, very kindly committed to, which is, which is amazing. You've got so much value to give and yeah we can we we often find ourselves cutting short with many of our guests and you're you're certainly one of them and so episode 2 is going to be business resilience, building a bulletproof business we've got further two episodes and i think i'd be right in saying that um uh retreating to the core ready to go again will yep. be episode 2 and episode 3 will be going for high growth after lockdown Absolutely. so those yeah. are the, the the next three episodes we'll pre-promote those we'll let everybody know when your your next show will air and so on uh but until that second episode until the next t- time we meet it's been amazing connected you. it's always great to connect with you mate uh phenomenally yeah, so to you. we're never shy of, of letting each other know we miss each other and that yeah. and, and, uh, <laughs> we've, we've not been in each other's company for far too long well, no, and no we haven't so yeah. uh and, and it's, not, it's, it's no surprise that, that when we've, we've reconnected again for this to, 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 to share, share ideas and value, and none non more so importantly for, for the audience. Yeah,
1: I think rather weirdly for the audience, the last
0: time we saw each other, we
1: were doing a hot yoga class.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that that oh, that's what I, I sent. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, that's exactly why. I, that came up on a Facebook memory and I sent that that's we right we just yeah. connected and that came up actually yeah. and I sent that your way yeah that, that was very true uh, a Bikram yoga class which we, uh, that's we, right. we, we were yeah that's
1: right I haven't recovered <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> me neither no me me, me, <laughs> me neither mate but uh, it's been an absolute pleasure and we look forward to episodes 2 3 and 4 and, and no doubt more beyond beyond those yeah
1: likewise likewise it's been great fun great to see yeah. you both
2: uh, great thanks so much for your time Jonathan
1: cheers
0: Phil
2: thank you thanks very much
0: Thank you so much for joining us on the Business Lockdown. Please comment, like, share and subscribe to help build our global community. We look forward to seeing you all soon.